From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. Numbers 421, Naso, the priestly blessing. In this week's portion of the Torah, Aaron and his sons are told to bless the children of Israel, saying, May Hashem bless you and safeguard you. May Hashem shine his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May Hashem turn his countenance to you and grant you peace. Hashem then says, Let them place my name upon the children of Israel, and I shall bless them. This commandment is fulfilled during the morning prayers as the Kohen stands facing the congregation, lifts up his hands, and repeats these words. Since the Torah does not specify exactly how the Kohen should hold up his hands while blessing the congregation, various traditions have developed. One of the most common positions is to hold the hands together at the thumb joints and separate the eight forefingers into four groups. It's an unusual pattern. You'd have to see the diagram of it to understand. Since the Torah says that he will place his name upon the children of Israel, at this time we can assume that the shape of the Kohen's hands somehow forms one of God's names. This is how the name can be seen. First, see that there are ten fingers in the formula. Ten is the fixed and most basic aspect of the position. There are ten fingers, and the world was created with ten utterances. So the ten here can be seen to represent the physical creation. Ten is the numerical equivalent of the letter Yud. Next, notice that the eight fingers are being formed into four groups. Formation is an addition to creation, whereas creation is the act that actually begins to bring a new substantiality into existence, formation takes what is being created and shapes it into positions. Four is the numerical equivalent of the letter Dalad. Now, when you see a diagram of the way the thumbs are held in this tradition, look at the empty space surrounding the thumbs. Continue looking down the index fingers, and you will see that the empty space forms the Hebrew letter Shin. Emptiness is less tangible and much loftier than creation or formation. The Kabbalah describes the amazing descent from the entirely non-corporal creator down to his actual physical creation as occurring in four stages or four worlds. There are emanation, creation, formation, and action. The position of a Kohen's hands represents this descent and serves to bring the Creator's blessings down to the physical creation. This blessing reaches all four worlds. It emanates from the Most High and passes through the mystical world of emanation. This is the world that exists even before creation becomes evident. Hashem creates the world ex nihilo, that is, from nothing. This means that there is no pre-existing matter from which Hashem creates the world. The world of emanation exists, but it is entirely unmanifest. That is, it is not brought down into physical being. It has no physical appearance. The mystical emptiness that fills the world of emanation underlies and permeates all things at all times, even after creation. 
to begin to conceive of this unseen, underlying world, try to imagine the physical space that fills and surrounds all things. Even though the physical objects are present, they do not eliminate, hinder, or remove the space. The space still fills and surrounds them. Similarly, the unmanifest world is still present even after the manifested world has become apparent. These three aspects can be read as the name God places upon us. Since the letter Shin is formed in empty space, the space that surrounds the Cohen's thumbs and forefingers, it can be seen to represent this most high world. The blessing also reaches the lower worlds after being brought down through the great mystical emptiness. It reaches the world of creation, as the Cohen's ten fingers represent creation. It also reaches the world of formation, as it is seen in the Cohen's eight fingers that are being formed into four groups. The Cohen lifting his hands and pronouncing the blessing can be seen to represent the world of action, so that the blessing also reaches this world. The blessing comes to us from the highest, most lofty place, sent down to permeate the worlds of emanation, creation, formation, and action. The shape of the Kohen's hands spell Shin, Dalad, Yud. This is the name of God that signifies his sufficiency and protection. While receiving this blessing, try to focus on these four worlds. See the Kohen standing there and saying these words as the world of action. Recognize that the only reason you identify yourself with what you look like physically is because of the form of your body. Understand that the matter your body is made of is actually created material and that it is being made continuously out of nothing. Look for the place that fills and surrounds you as if you are a letter being written in this mystical emptiness. Know that this unmanifest place is the world from where you are emanating. Then look even higher and wider onto the universal one who fills all, the one who is actually giving us that blessing. What you give away you keep. We see from the priest's blessing what they are to do for us, but what are we to do for the priest? We are to give them their share of the sacrifices and their share of all of our gains. But the most interesting thing about what we give them is that although it is theirs to do with as they please, the truth is, it is really still ours. The Torah says, A man's holy shall be his, and what a man gives to the priest shall be his. The sages explain that this sentence means that a man's holy contributions are his to give to whichever priest he chooses. Another commentator suggests a deeper meaning. Because he has given this wealth away, he will become rich. Although both of these explanations are certainly true, it seems obvious that the second one is telling us something more. What we give away, we keep. Every coin that you give away in this world to charity or to a holy purpose will be yours forever in the world to come. And not only that, but in the world to come, there will be no earning. We will not be able to earn another coin to give away. This means that the copper coin we gave away here will be made out of gold there. That is, its value will be immensely greater than it was here on earth. 
the vow of abstinence. This week we also learn about the Nazir. In the temple days, when someone found himself or herself spiritually stymied, desperately wanting to grow, and unable to see any apparent way to accomplish this goal, he could take upon himself a vow of abstinence. This vow was usually for a limited period of time, usually for one month, when he would strive to become more aware of God's presence. There were a number of restrictions placed upon the Nazir, such as not cutting his hair, not coming near a dead body, and not drinking wine. After the period of abstinence was completed, he would shave his hair and offer up certain sacrifices in the temple. One of these sacrifices was a sin offering. But what was his sin? Our sages tell us that his sin was that he forbade himself wine. Wine, in moderation, can bring joy, and a Nazir denied himself something that God had permitted, something that brings joy. But didn't the Torah prescribe this abstinence? If so, why then does he have to bring a sin offering? The Torah is pointing out that serving God with joy is the proper and best way to increase one's awareness of God. However, if someone wants to be hard on himself in order to feel that he is doing more and more, then he can do that, but he will have to bring a sin offering when he is done. Our sages tell us that the Shekhinah, God's revealed presence, can only be found in joy. If you want to fast and give up something for God, then give up your sorrow. Sacrifice your sadness and moaning. Slaughter them and place them upon the altar. Serve him with joy and true appreciation for his having shown us his way. Then, not only will you not have to bring a sin offering, but you will bring an offering of thanksgiving instead. This is the successful way of Torah, a life of holy joy. There is one dot com.